And I would challenge you today to, to let that imagination stretch. I don't know if it, many of you have seen um, the, the videos of years ago we used to show our youth, like Louis Giglio, would, he would say, well, if the earth was a golf ball, <laughs> if the earth was a golf ball, and you'd look at some of these other planets, and it would take, like, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, if the earth was a golf ball, you'd fill that up 10 times, and that's the size of this one other planet compared to the earth. And when you start going through that, you start having a revelation of how big your God is. And I like to get in the ocean because I feel the power of the ocean. It makes me feel very small. And I, for Jenny goes, that's weird that you like that, but I like that. I like that feeling of just being overpowered and knowing that this is just a little ocean, but God is so big and he's so powerful. And I'm just this little speck. And think about it, we're this little speck of this little cul-de-sac on this planet of all creation that God has created, how big our Father is. And when we believe, we're putting our trust not in this hope, it's not like this aimless hope of like, well, I just hope it works out. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. He is our Father, and He loves us. So we need to take those steps of action and believe and trust in Him with all of our heart. With all of our heart. Get rid of our understanding, because our understanding ain't enough. Our, my biggest understanding, what I could try to comprehend how big is, is way bigger than that. Every time NASA builds a telescope and, and goes up into the satellites and, and gets a view of the, the spectrum of, of our universe, God is just sitting there like, there's so much more. There's so much more. I'm so much bigger than you think. And I really believe that's where he's at with us, is he's so much bigger than each one of us believe and think. And we need to take further, just ridiculous steps of faith into his bigness and goodness and, and believe and trust in him with all of our being. Amen? Do you believe? Do you believe? We have to take some action steps of faith. James, the apostle, or Jesus' brother, said, you can say you believe all you want. But it's in the action of faith. He said, faith without works is dead. You know what dead faith is? Nothing. When we just say, I believe, and we don't take those steps, and you say, okay, well, what would those steps be? Well, if you believe you've heard the Lord share something with you or put something on your heart, then you take the actions in that. It's in that action that you see him come and meet that situation. It's when Peter and James were walking by the beggar and he was down and he couldn't walk. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. It says, and they reached out. Here's, here's where the healing came, I believe. They reached out, grabbed that man by the arm and drug him up. And in that dragging up, that faith was like activated. And we put God on the spot and God said, I'm activating that. That was faith. He didn't just pray for him and say, well, I hope you get well. You're getting up. That is the type of faith when we believe we will do. And, and many times I've messed that one up. Many times, but I don't want that to be. As we get into our church on fire and believing and trusting and getting close to the Lord, that faith level is going to rise. There's going to be an activation of belief. Our hope level is going to rise. It's going to happen in our lives and in those around us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. Awesome. We didn't plan that, but that worked out very well. I'm sitting there sharing with the Lord. I'm like, wow, we're singing the songs about it.
Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's in each one of us? He can talk to us, and when we're listening, he's telling us the same things. He's not confused. I'm so thankful he's not. I thank you for the gifts of uh, throat lozenges. And man, the first service, I wasn't having a problem all the morning. I sang and then started sharing. It was like, not good. I was looking for water. Someone helped. I was dying. <laughs> so I had a, someone gave me give some cough um, lozenges after first service. And then Pastor Jay came up too. I was like, that's, that's good when you got a couple people looking out for you. Amen. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Just in case. So we're um, transferring into uh, the Sermon on the Mount part of where we've been in the, the uh, really the law and Jesus preaching and teaching about the law and going into the law of the kingdom, going into now the, the action steps of the kingdom, the the practice of the kingdom, not just the, the law of the kingdom. And I like this part. Like, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I like to read about stuff, but then I like to do it. I'm a hands-on. Like, <clears throat> I like getting the knowledge, and I like studying stuff. But it's no fun, say, if you just studied your whole life, and you were studying about medicine, or you were studying about uh, mechanicing, or working on motorcycles, or whatever it might be, but you never got to do it. How fun would that be? Like, there's a lot of people who go through college. They go through four years of this, and then they go through another four years of this, and they change their mind, but they never actually do any of the stuff that they studied for. That's no fun, right? Jesus is taking us to a, through a, a, a stroll of the Sermon on the Mount and, and teaching us the laws and the heart behind the law, and now he's going into a portion of the application. And this is, this is good stuff. <clears throat> and we're going to be in our text is Matthew chapter 6. I'm starting through one through four, but I'm going to read the introduction first, and then we'll... I did this on accident in the first service, and I think it was worked out pretty well, so we're going to take that mistake and use it today. <laughs> so after rejecting the Pharisaic interpretation of the law, Jesus moved on to show that the Pharisees' practices coming from their interpretation of the law were also to be rejected. There were certain acts of righteousness that the Pharisees held in high regard, giving of alms, prayer, and fasting. Jesus was not impressed with their Pharisees or their example. He called them hypocrites because they had perverted these three activities to gain a reputation for men, and they were self-focused. And these activities were intended to give, Godward, uh, give God glory, not man. The practice of almsgiving was a very righteous thing to do, and was, a, and was worthy of a blessing when done with the right heart and motive. I want to stop for a minute. We're going <clears> to <throat> journey through this passage of Scripture, and, and for three weeks, we're going to go through some wins. Jesus, in the, the law portion, was going, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. <clears throat> now, for these next three weeks, you're going to hear Jesus say, when you. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And it's leading up perfectly, just beautifully, for our going into January on our prayer and fasting time. And I didn't plan that, so thank the Lord. Um, but when we do that, I, I love the, the verbiage that he uses, when, it's not if. <coughs> Amen? Amen? He's saying when because it's supposed to be something that normally happens in a believer's life. Sometimes it's an if for a lot of us. Fasting especially is not something that's done very regularly. 
in, in today's modern world of Christianity, but it happens, was intended to be normal for a Christian. Jesus practiced this very often. He'd fast and pray. And we see a lot of folks where you see a lot of power or we'll say anointing on people's lives or where they have um, the, these miracles and signs that follow these folks. More often than not, you see these folks are people who fast and pray very, very regularly. Now, they don't do it from a religious standpoint. They're not doing it to be checked boxes and for people to see that they're holy and that they're righteous. And that's what Jesus is really getting to in this next few passages and is kind of coming at the religious hypocrisy that had been going on for quite some time. And <clears throat> I want to share, like, this is something that is so tricky and, and you can get caught in very, very easily, even for us who think we are free from it. Amen. Amen? I, I, like to, I like to think. <laughs> I like to think that um, I've had my taste of it and I don't want any more. But the truth is there's, there's still some things that are religious in my life and he wants to free me from. Amen? There's some things in your life that you may think, oh, I'm not very religious. Well, what's religious? It's when we do things and it's not coming really, my, my definition is it's not from the heart. <clears throat> and you will find, and I've, I've seen in my walk, in my life and, and through Christianity, that when, oh, well, when folks, I'm going to check this out. We're going to try to see if the sound still doesn't get messed up. Watch your levels, Rob, because we're doing some tests here. Praise the Lord. It's working out. <laughs> so I've, I've found in my walk with the Lord that a lot of times when people get into the religious uh, mindsets and into these areas, it's when the heart level starts to fade a wee bit. If you ever notice even yourself that um, sometimes when we begin to fade a little bit in our closeness to the Lord or in our, um, in our times of prayer and our times of seeking the Lord or fasting, whatever it might be, in that relational area, the religious area will start to rise. Things that were normally done from the heart or things that were normally done just because you just want to spend time with the Lord, now you're being very outwardly aware of what people are looking at because you know inwardly Things maybe not where they need to be. So we put on this front, and it becomes religious. We're doing things from a religious mindset. We're, we're going to church so people will see us go to church. We're praying so that our wife or our family, oh, yeah, at least they're praying. They're, they're still good. Amen. That's religious. It's not a whole lot different than what the Pharisees were doing. So we're going to look at some of that. And, and re, the, well, we'll just keep going with that for a minute. Um, the religious system, I have found, it's never in balance. It's always one extreme or the other. So when things get into a religious area, you'll see either this ridiculous level of like super hyper grace of, well, it doesn't really matter because, you know, I'm not legalistic. Or you go into this other extreme, which, which was Jesus was correcting when he was teaching on the law of, you've heard it said, but I say, Right. The Pharisees were saying, <clears throat> here's our level, what our expectations are. And Jesus was like, here they are. It's heart level. Like, it's not just enough not to murder someone. It's not just enough not to commit adultery. If you've looked at her, if you've hated in your heart, it's the same. But then there's this other level of, of uh, the religious part that will go way beyond what Jesus says. Let's say, well, this is where Jesus is standard words, and all of a sudden we decide, we, like, we're super holy, so we're just going to raise it past even what Jesus said, which is like, no bueno. And the fun of being a Christian just goes way out the window. Like, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's all on these can'ts. 
that Jesus is coming to bring freedom. Amen. Like freedom from the law. It's like bringing grace and, and not, not an abuse of it. But you see, either see like there's this freedom that you can just run amok and do whatever you want and just show up and check the box and say your prayers and give your money and we're good. Or it's this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing this, and I'm gaining and earning this, this level with the Lord and it's super ritualistic and it's not from Him. And it's, there's no relation in it. There's no relation this way and there sure as heck ain't relation this way. Because you start measuring each other by yourselves. Well, you're doing that, so we can't have relationship. I'm, I'm holy, and i got to keep myself with holy people. And what did Jesus do? Was anyone holier than Jesus? No. Okay, we have established that. Who did he hang out with? Who, who did he ever have harsh words for? The religious, the Pharisees. He wasn't having harsh words for the sinners. And who was he hanging with? Why? They needed a doctor. And they know, they, they knew that they needed him. The Pharisees, the religious minded, the, the, the hypocrites had this face that they were all good, but deep inside they were full of dead men bones. And Jesus could see through it. So through this, when we give, when we pray, when we fast, it's not a religious thing. It was never intended to be. The Pharisees really twisted and, and put it out of joint. And, and Jesus is fixing it and bringing it into alignment. And, and I hope you're going to see through this. And, and we're going to hammer this point pretty good this morning. And then for the next when use, we probably won't so much. We'll just tap on it. But in the first one, we're going to nail this point because it's in all three. You guys with me? All right. So the practice of almsgiving was a very righteous thing to do and was worthy of a blessing when done with the right heart and motive. The giving of alms was designed to be a display of mercy. The need, listen to this, the need represented an opportunity and made it possible for the giver to demonstrate the love of God. Who wants to do that? You have the opportunity when we give to demonstrate the love of God. That's awesome. That's an opportunity when you give, when you give alms. That, that's just giving. The Pharisees had twisted and made it an opportunity for people to see how much they gave and be impressed with their giving. So much so that beggars would station themselves at the entrance of the temple so that they could receive alms from the Pharisees as they entered and the Pharisees could receive their reward, the praise of the people. Mm. So Jesus knows this, sees this in the culture, and he is not okay with it. So he starts off um, this first word of Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. What's the first word? First point says, beware of. Here's a bunch of translations. Watch out. Don't do. Be careful not to. Take heed not to. Now, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. But when Jesus says, beware, that's a time to pay attention. First word of out of his mouth in this whole chapter, beware. Let's look at the word beware. Well, let's read our text and then we'll look at it. Matthew chapter 6, beware 
of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So that word beware, it really stood out to me when I was studying this out, and I've read this many times, and, and I've just kind of read past the beware part. But it was like, whoa, it was coming off the page, and rightly so. Jesus is wanting to get our attention, and he's wanting to get our attention in these three areas of giving and praying and in fasting. Because the Pharisees held these in high regard, and they were teaching it, and they were teaching it wrong. So the word beware in the Greek is prosecco. It means to attend to, to give heed to. And its root from the word is pros and echo. So you can almost hear the beware, 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 beware. Beware. Prosecco. I don't know if that's true, if it's, but it works for me. <laughs> I, heard the, I see the word pros and echo, and I'm like, echo. Got it. It's to hold the mind. It's, it's to hold your mind towards something, to pay attention to, to be cautious about it, to apply oneself to, to adhere to, to give attendance to, to beware, to be given to, and give heed to have regard for. That's what we're to do with this whole passage. So, I believe if Jesus was walking the, the planet today, this day and age, he would probably not use the word prosecco, but he would say, church, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Amen. That's how this whole thing would start. He would say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. All right? He might not say that, but that's, that's what prosecco means to me. <laughs> I hear Jesus doing that, like, check yourself before you wreck yourself, son. And I'm going, okay, because I have not checked myself and wrecked myself numerous times. So I'm, I'm listening to the beware. Amen? This is what he wants us to see out of this passage is that self-recognition is a trap. Self-recognition is a bottomless pit. Now, he knows that we have this need as people, and some of us have a lot greater need than others, and it's not always bad, okay? <clears throat> I was sharing with the first service that um, some people are motivated by money, some people are motivated by applause or fame, or some people will go through mountains and dig through walls and, and run through fires to gain just for recognition. That's what they're motivated by. If when someone says, check them out, look what they did. Did you see what they did? That's their motivation. And speaking of that, oh, Lila's not here right now. Um, I wanted to thank Lila for putting all the work and effort into the boxes. We, we were two, they, actually, we don't even know if they didn't meet the goal. Um, I know that two, 198 came in here, and I, the two may have showed up over at the, I don't know, but that was awesome, and she put a lot of work into that, so I want to recognize that. And then um, Sharon Barkley did an amazing job with our giving for the Thanksgiving, um, putting all those baskets together. And what a great opportunity for the church to give. Amen. So I know this message is kind of preaching to the choir a bit. And this is a very giving church. But I think especially towards the end, it's going to resonate. Maybe, maybe hopefully, um, we'll see 
a pure motivation and, and how to give and that our Father would be really, really pleased with it. Amen? So the self-recognition thing. It's in our nature. No, no one doesn't like that. I mean, we might like not like to be on the, the stage. And I, for me, it's really weird. Like, I'm very uncomfortable even when people sing happy birthday to me. It's really weird. Like, I, I'm just like so uncomfortable. But I do like when people are like, you did a good job. Right? Don't, don't most of us like that? Like, even people that are shy, like, you start talking about how good a job they did, and you're like, oh, well, thank you. You know, that, that's a good feeling. So, but we have to be careful of that. In the kingdom, it does not supposed to work that way. That, that's how it works in the man, but in the kingdom, it's not supposed to work that way. We're, we're never to be the recipients of the applause. Because we know our righteousness is as filthy rags. At least I know. <laughs> and I'll say... Anything good that's coming out of here, it must be the Lord. If there's a good message that comes out, if there's a good point, it must be the Lord. Because I don't have, I mean, this is his word. I'm not coming up with this stuff. It's his word. If he gives me insight into it, it's not my flesh coming up with it. It's the Holy Spirit within me coming up with it. If you're receiving it, it's because he's done something in your heart that I don't know how to do. Like all we do is we can scatter seed, we can throw water, but how that increase happens, we have no part of. Amen. So I know it's a trap and it's a pit, and there's, there's, it's never filled. If you, you'll never fulfill that need. It'll never be filled, the self-recognition thing. And he knows that. So he's like, don't even bother. It's a trap. It's a bottomless pit. Don't go there. Amen? So that's a good thought. The praise of people is not the goal. The praise of people is not the goal. We should not want to be seen by men. And really, that's, that's my, my desire. And you're saying, it's easy to see. You're standing up in front of everybody. But it is truly my desire to someday that people would not see this person. They would see Jesus. And that should be all of our desires. Amen? As a Christian, I'm not wanting to get seen. I mean, I got seen a lot. And when I was wanting to be the, the recipient of all that, all the dumb stuff I did got seen real good. <laughs> it was put in newspapers. <laughs> it was, there was a lot of attention to all the dumb stuff that I did. And... Um, I don't need that recognition. I don't want that recognition. I'm thankful that Jesus gets all the recognition. And he's the only person I want to be seen. Every once in a while, though, our flesh will crave a little bit of that. And we have to kill that stuff, amen? That, that dude's got to die. Like, don't give him a spot, amen? So the praise of people is not our goal. Our goal, we should have an audience of what? One. Now, here's what interesting fact that, that we, we all know is very true. How many of you get what you pay for? You get what you pay for. Jesus was literally telling the Pharisees, you got what you bought. Hope you like it. And he tells that to us when we have the wrong motive, when we give. When we are giving so that people will see us or so that people will say, oh, he's such a good guy or she's such a good lady. Look what she did. He said, you got what you bought. How many know we get what we pay for? The Pharisees were not giving. Listen to this. If you, if you want to write something down, this is probably one to write down. The Pharisees were not giving. They were buying the praise of men. Now listen to what, listen to this. The Pharisees were not giving. They were buying the praise of men at the cost of the reward of their heavenly father. 
They were buying the praise of men at the cost of the reward of their heavenly father. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. You get what you pay for. Point two. Jesus says, when you give. When you give. <laughs> I put it this way. He said, don't toot your own horn. Amen. <laughs> the word says, don't blow, don't blow those trumpets. Don't sound those trumpets. And in that day, they had trumpets where they would give offerings, and they were, they were shaped in a trumpet shape. They were larger on, on the end, and they, they would neck down to the bottom. It was really just so people couldn't reach in there and steal the money out of the temple. But because the shape that they were in, when you would walk by and toss some change in it, it made a lot of sound. It would get people's attention. Well, the Pharisees caught on to that. And, and Jesus was all good with using the trumpets. He didn't have a problem with it. Remember when the widow came by, and she just put that one coin she put it in, and, and Jesus stopped everything. He said, whoa. She gave the most of anyone in here. And the disciples were like, what? Did you hear all the sound that thing was making from that dude? And he's going, she gave everything. And you know what? She didn't make a big to-do about it. She didn't go, everybody, stop. I'm about to give everything I own. No one even knew her. She just quietly walked by. Put in there. But guess who saw it? Amen. Jesus saw it. And he stopped and said, hey, look at her. This, this verse came to life before the disciples. So don't toot your own horn. But it's just basically saying, look at me, look at me. Jesus said, as the hypocrites, as the hypocrites do that, they look at me. Now this is going to go into all the venues. You're going to see him say this in all of them. Now, the word hypocrite, Pastor Jay has shared this quite a few times, but there's another side of it that I wanted to share and bring out. So, and, and, and just for kind of a fun fact, this word hypocrite, or hypocrite, or however pronounce that, it's the first of 15 times that Matthew uses this word. And Jesus says it 15 times. So remember, I'm not the sharpest guy. But when the Lord says something multiple, multiple times, we want to pay attention to that. Matthew heard quotes Jesus 15 times use the word hypocrite. So what does that word mean? This is what it commonly has always been known for. An actor or someone who wore a mask or a disguise and pretended to be someone else. But later, in a more general sense, it described anyone who deceives himself or others. Or at times, both. Hypocrisy became especially associated with religion that masked inner condition. Remember when we talked about, oftentimes when our walk with the Lord starts slipping a little bit, we put on this front. Oh, I've started doing all this more religious activity, so everyone will think that I'm really good and I'm, doing where, I'm walking where I need to be. That's putting on a mask. That's, that's being an actor. That's being a hypocrite. Jesus doesn't want any of that. That's, that's what the Pharisees were doing. It's deceiving. They said a hypocrite would deceive himself or others or possibly both. How many of you deceived yourself? How many of we've believed? We've believed our lie. We've believed our story. And if you believe it enough, it becomes true. Amen. That's why it's like you've heard it said, but I say. Like we need that attention of the word to wake us up and go, Ooh, I've been believing something. And I, I personally believe most of us believe error. If you're a Christian, you could be the most theologically sound person. And I have learned 
many times the things I thought I was right, and I thought I had this saying, I got that word, and, and this is what it says, and you can't misinterpret it. It's plain as day. And then you spend time out of the religious side into the presence side. You spend time in his presence, and he puts his finger on it and shows you a little insight into something. You go, whoa, I never saw that before. Ooh, I thought I was so right. Amen. How many's had that experience? Yeah. That's coming into the relational side. And, and I believe all of us, we, be, we believe some lies. We believe some things that aren't true, and we think that they are. That's why it's so important to get out of the religious area and into the relational part and let the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Amen? Amen. So they were deceiving themselves. Now look at Galatians 6, 7, first, first four words. Do not be deceived. <laughs> this is Paul. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. God doesn't want us deceived. So don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive others. God's not mocked. What? You will reap what you sow. You get what you pay for. Amen? Now, Jesus goes on into the when you give, like how to give. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What that basically saying is, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't draw attention to yourself. We use that in a lot of negative terms to say, well, man, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. We, you know, we always kind of use that. But that's really saying, like, you should do it. If you were going to give in your right, your left hand is just clearly oblivious to what's going on. That's how he wants us to give, not drawing attention. Now, in the Jewish tradition, in the temple, it was said that in the temple there was a chamber of secrets. This is interesting. I was studying this out. There was a chamber of secrets into which the devout or the righteous used to put their gifts so that the poor could receive support. That is such a beautiful picture of God's heart. There is a chamber of secrets that it wouldn't go into the trumpets and everyone would hear and get this big ta-da. It wouldn't be the, the beggars sitting on the, the um, entrance of the temple when the Pharisees would walk by and, and they would be like, oh, check this out. There's a, there's a big crowd today. I'm going to make sure I do some giving so everyone will see how righteous I am. You can almost sense that like there's probably times when the Pharisees would be going towards the temple and they'd see all these people there. Maybe they might want to turn back around and get some more change in their pockets, right? <laughs> there's a big audience today. Yeah, I might want to give a little more. Like, that's just the heart of what was going on. Jesus saying, look, there's a chamber of secrets. And this church is so good that we have, we have a benevolence program in the church. And like for Thanksgiving, there was different people that came up and said, you know, I'd, I'd like to give something for Thanksgiving. And I said, just make a note on it, put it in the offering, and it'll get taken care of. They didn't make a big to-do about it in front of everybody. And that happens a lot in this church. And this church is a very giving church. So this isn't a message to beat anyone up. But I believe as we get towards the last point, it's going to encourage us in that area and how to rightly give. Amen? Amen. So there was a, a, an area in, in the chamber of secrets that people would give. In secret addresses, this is how Jesus says to do it when we give. He says to give in secret. In secret addresses the manner and the motive of giving. Think about that. Do it in secret. It addresses the manner and the motive. When you do it in secret, it takes you out of it. The manner and the motive. So I would say on, my, on this ending of the second point, here's some questions you could always ask yourself when you give. Ask yourself the question, would I still do this if no one would ever know that I did it? That's a good check if we're going to give. Would I still do this if no one would ever see that I did it? That's really what Jesus is wanting us to get. Like, do this in secret. Now we're going to get into the why. Why should we do it in secret? 
Point three, or how it helps us do it in secret is this. Point three, who is the focus and who gets the glory? You'll see the Pharisees had this all messed up. The focus had nothing to do with the person receiving. There was no care for them whatsoever. All it had to do was about them receiving glory. Their motive had nothing to do with the individual or the person. The motive had that everyone would see that they were giving. It was a self-focused. And that was, and that was not just in their giving. It was self-focused in their praying. They would go out on the streets and just puff up and make a big spectacle that they were praying. When they would fast, they would put on burlap and dust themselves. And, and it was a big spectacle so people would see what they were doing. has nothing to do with the person. They had no care for the individual. And what was the purpose of giving of alms was that people would see the mercy of God. Amen. That was the purpose, so that people would see the mercy of God in their giving. And the Pharisees were buying it up for themselves. Giving is not a personal achievement, but it's a response of one's love for God. This isn't a thing about a personal achievement, like sometimes we're just setting goals. I want to give this and I'm, you know, like I'm achieving a goal. There's a heart behind what we're doing. Every one of us will be tempted in these areas. I, I remember an instance when I was um, doing jail ministry, and, and, and when you do jail ministry, you're not doing that so that you can be seen by people. That's not the ministry that you go into to receive, you know, a bunch of accolades. However, <laughs> I did notice a, at one instance we had sold our first, or in the process of selling our first house to the agent we had was over in Valley Springs, and um, she happened to be driving behind me one day as I was going up to the jail. I was about ready to turn left on um, Mount Ranch Road. And I seen her car behind me, and I, and I had this thought popped in my head. Well, I wonder if she sees that I'm going to the jail. And it was so weird. It was like, I go, what? I mean, I was like, what was that? Like, it was such a temptation of this pride of like, oh, maybe she's seen that I'm going to do something good. What in the heck? Like, you're not doing that. Like that, and I had to go, Lord, forgive me. What was that? Like, I don't want that. That is, we are all prone to that. So Jesus is saying, beware. Beware. Be on your guard with this. Amen? Amen. So giving's not a personal achievement, but is a response of one's love for God. When giving is done in secret, this is so good. When giving is done in secret, the recipient is more likely to give the glory to God and be drawn closer to Him. Here is the biggest thing about giving in secret. How many of you have received something from somebody? And they came in, and there was nothing. Sometimes you can't help it. So please hear me in this. this is, we're not like, you did wrong. And you, there's sometimes you just can't avoid it. God knows our heart. God knows our heart. But here's what I know why He wants it done in secret is when nobody knows where it came from, there's no one else that can receive the glory. No one. No one can receive it. Because even if you're the only person, and I've done this before and not even really thought about it. That's why I'm so encouraged by this. I'm going to try to figure out any way possible if I give so that no one will know that I did it. Because when they know that you did it, no matter how you say, this is from the Lord, the Lord told me to do it. I didn't even want to do it, but the Lord made me do it. They're still going to equate some of that glory to you. They're going to see you blessing them, not him blessing them. And when they don't know where it comes from, they automatically shift from here to here. And they say, thank you, Lord. Amen. And that's what we want. Amen. We want Jesus saying, when you give, make sure your left hand don't know. Why? Because he's concerned about them, not about us. Amen. 
The Pharisee way is concerned about us and forget them. Who cares? As long as I get some glory. The other focus is on them. Here's another why it wants to be on them. When we give in secret, the recipient will not be made to feel humiliated. How many of you ever received something? It, it's so true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We know that, right? How many of you have been in need and, and, you've, and someone's come and they've provided something for you? Boy, that's humbling. It is. Boy, that is some humbling. And, oh, I don't care. I mean, and thankful. I'm thankful for it. I've, I've had help before. But nobody, it is a, oh. But if there's no face to it, and I've got to do this before. I've got to bless someone and say, look, it's not for me. I'm just the deliverer of the message. Like, I just basically am handing it. I had no part of this. That is so awesome. And that person receives it so purely, and the person that gave it, gave it so purely. That is how Jesus designed it. And that person doesn't feel horrible. They don't feel that, oh, I'm less than. Oh, you know, I'm just, if I was as good as you, I wouldn't need help. They wouldn't have any of that. They would be able to receive purely with the, with the way that it was God intended, his mercy. They would see his mercy in it, and it would be a pure thing. This is the best part of when we do it right. Well, I'm going to share one more story, and then I'm going to close this. When we don't do it right and we buy it, what we're really doing is stealing God's glory. And that is not something I advise. <laughs> that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Early on my walk, I did it and I, I learned one of the most valuable lessons. I've probably done it since, but not like this. Um, when the Lord healed me and delivered me, when I got saved and I got out of jail, well, in between getting out of jail and going to Teen Challenge, the, the court was, was setting me up, really, in reality. They, were, they gave me um, from December 19th till the 1st of the year to, to go into Teen Challenge, which looking back at it, they knew my, they're like, he's going to blow this because I was on a joint suspended sentence, and if I messed up at all, it was all over. But I was too dumb to even understand it, so I'm like, sweet, I'm out. <laughs> but I got out, and people that I used to run with, they come, hey, bro, you want to get high? And I'd be like, no, I quit. Hey, dude, you want to you know, get drunk? No, I quit. Go to, you want this? No, I quit. I quit. And I got really good at saying I. And, it, and I had uh, this pride come on that I quit. And I was like, and I did. Like, I don't need that. Well, 19th to the, oh, about 12 days. Right before I went to Teen Challenge. Oh, you want to talk about the most epic crash and burn ever? Oh, oh, I'm not going into the details, but it was epic. Um, it was it was like whap face first on this concrete and nose splattered everywhere and teeth missing and I mean not literally but that's what it looked like spiritually. It was a mess. It left such a mark that when I did go to Teen Challenge, I was very concerned with it. I did not want to go through the Teen Challenge process and 18 months of all that and the time in jail and and come back and lip skid like that again. So I, I, I was pretty dumb, but I had enough wits and smarts to ask the Lord, why did I fall like that? Why did that happen? Because I don't want that to happen ever again. And he said, you stole my glory. And I knew I heard from heaven because I didn't even know what it meant. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, but I was smart enough to ask. So I, I heard, you stole my glory. And I said, how did I steal your glory? 
And he said very plainly, Steve, you did not quit. I delivered you. You did not quit. So from that point forward, message received. When I got out, hey, bro, you, and I'll tell you what, once you get saved, people that never had anything, that always owed you, that you, they come out of the woodwork. Like, oh, I want to pay back all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, I don't want any of that. Like, and I would not say I quit. I'd say, you know what, man? The Lord delivered me from that. And I would use it as an opportunity to share my testimony. You know what? The Lord delivered me from that. I don't need that anymore. God's healed me. And I would use that as a testimony. And guess who got the glory? Amen. Guess who got none? This guy. Because I had no power to do it in my strength. I'm, the only reason I'm even here today is because of him. So when we give, when we give and we have ourselves attached to it, we're basically stealing his glory. Because it's supposed to, what's supposed to be seen is the mercy of God and the love of God. So this is the last point. This is the goodest news. I know it's not proper grammar, but I like it. It's the goodest news. It's the best part of it. When our Father sees us do this in secret, when our Father sees us, and, and we have a Father that sees it. Isn't that good? We have a Father that sees it. When He sees us do this properly, He gets so excited, and He will come and reward you. Now, we're not doing it for that reason, but when we do it right, he will come and reward you openly, just like he did the little lady that brought that mite, that one little coin, and she dropped it in there. He stopped everything, stopped the show and said, disciples, check this out. Did you see her? Did you see what she did? Remember when the lady with the alabaster jar came and she broke it at Jesus' feet? Do you know what she did? She gave with pure motive. She gave with right heart. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to take ourselves out of that equation. Don't make giving a religious thing. Don't make this just something that, well, I'm just doing this. No, we give from a heart and that's pure. And when we give to someone in need, take yourself out of that equation and watch and see what God will do for you. You watch and see the blessings that will come into your life. God is, a, he, he will honor his word. He will stand by this. And there is, I can tell you as a, as a, as a son pleasing their father, when you do things, that please your Father, there's nothing better. That reward of knowing that you have you've pleased your Heavenly Father. And he's saying, well done, son, well done. That's the audience I want to hear. I want to hear well done from him, not well done from everyone else. Because that's a pit and that's a trap. And it'll never satisfy. But when we hear him say, well done, good and faithful sermon. Woo, that's a good news right there, amen? Amen. amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today.